This episode is brought to you by Fortis et Fidelis, honoring the brave and faithful service of our fallen. The free will never forget. What's going on, everyone? Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Just want to take this time to say thank you to all our supporters, all our listeners for voting for our podcast as we were awarded the best educational podcast on the first annual Military Veteran Podcast Awards. Again, thank you all for supporting the podcast and our brand Fortis and Fidelis and helping us create memorial coins for families of the fallen. Thank you all for the vote and we hope for your continued support. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Brave and Faithful Podcast. Uh, today, I have a very special guest with you guys. He is a uh, former uh, Green Beret. Uh, he is also the founder of Rooftop Leadership, uh, a master storyteller. I have none other than Scott, man. Scott, how you doing? Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. Well, thank you. And I appreciate you for, for taking the time again to, uh, to be here uh, to record this podcast. Um, you know, Scott, Scott, before we get into, um, you know, what you're doing now with uh, Rooftop le- Leadership and with the new film that's coming out, can you just briefly uh, go over your service uh, in the Army and, and your time with the Green Berets? Yeah, sure. I, uh, I spent about 23 years in the Army. Uh, 18 of that almost was as a U.S. Army Special Forces officer, Green Beret. Uh, something I'd wanted to do since I was 14 years old, growing up in a little logging town in Mount Ida, Arkansas. Um, I met a Green Beret when I was a young kid who uh, inspired me and, and mentored me to, uh, to, to grow up. And um, even though I was a runt of a kid, uh, to kind of overcome that and, and, and try out and, and get selected and, and spent the rest of my life just basically doing what I dreamed to do as a kid. Um, in the nineties, I worked in, uh, Latin America, the Andean Ridge during the drug war. And then 2001 with the attacks by Al Qaeda on the country, I, um, like many green berets focused on Southwest Asia, uh, multiple tours in Afghanistan, mostly working with, um, Afghan tribes and, uh, indigenous people in the rural areas to help them uh, stand up against the Taliban. So, um, that was my journey. Then I retired in 2013. Okay. And uh, stayed connected with the military through as an instructor, but also as a, as a leader of a nonprofit. So, you know, 20 plus years in the service, especially with with the Green Berets, I can't imagine, um, you know, all the uh, all the experiences you've had uh, in the Army. How was um, how was your trans- transition out of the military for you? And um, how did how did that go? Well, I think. You know, because I was doing in the military what I had dreamed of doing, right? So I was very purpose-driven. I mean, I I was able to actually do what I loved. And, you know, I tell people that being a Green Beret is kind of like a combination of John Wick, 
Lawrence of Arabia and the Verizon guy, you know, I mean, like you get all of these uh, opportunities to do these really cool combinations, but you're basically a relationship based connector, you know, that just happens to be lethal. And, and so you have these opportunities to go into these very, very remote rural places, build relationships, build social capital, and then leverage those relationships for strategic outcomes. And so, you know, I learned a lot of skills about human connection human terrain, relationships, uh, a lot of the old school interpersonal skills that our grandparents taught us, you know, I learned to use those where it was life and death. The problem was when I came out, I was not purpose-driven. I, I didn't know what in the world I was going to do after spending almost two decades doing what I loved. Right. So what I did was I, you know, I kind of settled for what I thought everybody else wanted me to do. And that was a recipe for disaster. I ended up um, losing myself in transition very, very quickly. I mean, within a few months, um, I was enduring heavy mood swings, isolation. Like my kids didn't want to be around me. My wife didn't want to be around me. And, and, and I almost checked out, man. I mean, it got to be really dark for me. Um, and I look back on it now and it was largely because I had lost all sense of purpose. Um, the stuff that had lit me up in the military, I thought that somehow they got to keep that and they don't. So um, thankfully, I had some great mentorship. Um, I, I learned through those mentors, mostly civilians, about the power of uh, actually storytelling uh, from the stage and uh, as a way to heal and also to work with other veterans who were dealing with uh, the challenges of transition, telling my own uncomfortable story about standing in a closet, almost taking my own life. So, you know, it was a very uncomfortable, clunky, ugly transition that I needed to go through, I guess, because it, when I came out on the other side of it, I learned a lot about my purpose, a lot about human connection, but I made a promise to myself that I didn't want anybody else to ever go through what I went through because it was not fun. Yeah, Scott, whenever we talk about transition on the podcast, um, you know, a lot of the stories are, are, are very similar to what you're, you're saying, right? They, you know, people lose purpose. Uh, they, they don't know what the next mission is. Uh, yeah, they're, they're kind of lost when they get to the civilian world. Yeah. Um, you know, going through what you went through and overcoming all those uh, difficulties and obstacles, what's what's kind of like some advice that you would give to our, uh, you know, our military that might be in that phase of transitioning out, out of the out of their service or any veterans out there that might be struggling right now um, trying to find, you know, trying to find their uh, their footing in the world. Yeah, I mean, I've got a couple of things that come to mind. I mean, first of all, I, I, I was so adamant about it. I wrote a book on it uh, called Mission America, uh, straight talk about military transition. And you can find it on Amazon. And all the proceeds go to our nonprofit, The Hero's Journey, that helps uh, warriors learn how to tell their story and transition. That, and, and, and it was, you know, I, I put a lot of those lessons in the book because I felt like nobody really, it's the stuff nobody really tells you about transition right you don't get it in tap and you don't get it in all the other briefings that you go to it's just we you know as warriors we are we are a certain type of individual i mean we've grown up in in essentially a tribal society you know and the military is tribal right and what that really means is that you know it's a group dynamic it's all based on honor and shame and and putting the group before oneself and all of a sudden you, you, you know, you go to the civilian world and it's like changing planets. It's like right? 180. It's, it's different. 
It is. It's, a, it's, 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 it's called a, it's called contract society where the individual is actually above the group. And um, it's a complete, it is a complete 180 in the sense that individualism is of higher value than the group. And if you're a veteran who spent his whole life or her whole life around a team or a group, what do you do with that? Like just by definition, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a 180 from what you're used to. So, um, and it doesn't mean that you have to live that way. So I thought that, and that's where, cause it was almost like a moral injury because there was no alignment in what I'd been taught, which was mission first people always team, you know, team above self. And then here I was facing all these contradictions to my value set. And, um, you know, I'd say that's the first thing is, is, is learning to recognize that you are on a different planet, right? And that, that the, the value set by definition is going to be different. Doesn't mean that you have to live by it. It doesn't mean that you have to surrender those warrior ethos that are inside you. In fact, you shouldn't. Right. Um, but it's, it's learning how to rely on them and trust them in the face of a radically different society that, that we're just not accustomed to. And, and you're not crazy. You're not losing your mind. You're not a misfit. You're just, um, you're just on a different planet. Um, <laughs> and, and, and you've just got to, you know, recognize that, you know, there are certain realities around you, just like when you go to a different country, right? There are certain local contextual realities that you just need to settle into. Doesn't mean that you have to adopt them. Doesn't mean that you have to surrender your agency to what you believe, but just recognizing that it's different and, and finding the way to integrate um, your value set, your warrior ethos to that. I believe one of the most important ways that we can do that is, is through storytelling, I, you know, and, I, and I'm not talking about bedtime for Bonzo storytelling. I'm talking about like, no kidding, narrative competence is the ability to, to use story to to, to transfer from the world you were in to the world you're in now and using narrative mm -hmm. as the way to do that, uh, whether it's a job interview or, or talking to your people in an all hands meeting or, you know, learning how to ask for an investment through narrative. Uh, I just think it's a huge tool. So that would be my final thing is that I, I think it's really important for people in transition to um, reconnect to your kind of your origin story, your backstory, what you did in the military, why it's relevant now. So I want to, I want to go, go into that. You mentioned storytelling <clears throat> and, you know, for using that, for uh, using storytelling, uh, veterans using storytelling to kind of connect uh, to, you know, the environment that they're in now, how did you get started? Um, how did you get started with, with storytelling and uh, it, did that lead you to, um, to your founding rooftop leadership? You know what? That's a great question. What um, it kind of did in the sense that my, my first adventure with storytelling was, was really that dark moment in the closet when I almost checked out and then mm. it was sitting down with a friend of mine who was also an SF guy in retirement uh, who confided in me that he was close to checking out as well. And I shared my story with him of what I had recently been through very uncomfortably. So, and when I did, I noticed that, uh, immediately there was a connection there, that there was a sense of safety that he didn't demonstrate before. And he seemed to be kind of more with me in that moment than he was before. And I thought, man, that's, um, that's pretty powerful. And I felt better. 
um, in that sense. And so um, I couldn't help but notice the power that narrative had given me in that moment. And it, and it was a very uncomfortable moment. It wasn't like some end zone dance, right? Like it was a really, really crappy story that I didn't want to tell, but I told it in the service of him. And as it, and purely by accident, but, but I've come to call that the generosity of scars. I've got a Ted talk about it. Um, and it's basically when we're able to repurpose our struggles in the service of others, even our trauma, mm. you know, even the stuff that really scuffed us up as humans, we're actually designed to do that. You know, the brain, because I do a lot of work around human terrain and human dynamics is the brain is a metaphorical pattern matching organ. The brain actually makes sense of the world through story. It tells itself a story. So your client, your child, your employer, when you sit down in front of them and you show them a PowerPoint deck or a spreadsheet, they're not looking at that. They actually take that raw data and they tell themselves a story. That's how the brain makes sense of the world. And the only way they won't do that is if you tell them a story. If you put your idea, your pitch, your um, critical thought into a narrative structure, it will pass through the listener's brain with little or no objection. Now think about that for a second. Like, so that's a game changer, right? When you're getting in front of people and you're having to move them to take action. And if you think about your time in the military, it shouldn't surprise you, right? When you were in Iraq or Afghanistan or wherever, and you had to influence people, it was mostly through storytelling that you did that. When you had to talk to a Marine, a young Marine who was struggling with a, something at home, it was through narrative that you made a connection. So it's just how we're wired as humans. We've been doing it for 70,000 years. So I believe that the more that you can understand story structure and the more that you can use it in your life in real time, the more relevant you are as a leader. It's a real edge. That's why. So what I founded was rooftop leadership on the for-profit side, but on the nonprofit side, I founded uh, Heroes Journey, which is uh, it's H-E-R-O-E-S, the heroes plural journey. And it's a, it's a nonprofit that helps warriors find their voice and tell their story as they transition home from service. Uh, so it's a, it, we're, we're committed to helping that, that storytelling skill set. And in fact, I wrote a play to just illustrate how powerful storytelling can be, you know, to convey something hard like war. Mm. Yeah, I love uh, you mentioned earlier the, the quote generosity of scars. Yeah, kind of just using your experiences uh, to tell your story to some, some way connect that with with uh, the audience and and um, bringing that experience home. Right. And kind of just. Uh, 100%. Yeah, because as humans, we're actually, we're creatures of struggle. So if you think about the country today, the country's all divided. The country doesn't know what to do. Yeah. Most civilians are struggling to know what to do we're, with COVID and all the other things that are going on. It's These are unprecedented challenges. Well, for veterans, it's like kind of business as usual. Like we've been through this kind of yeah. stuff. We, we've been through these things. And the people in this country right now are looking for leadership. They are starved for leadership. And veterans have this innate ability to navigate complexity, to navigate ambiguity, to navigate hardship. And storytelling is the vehicle by which you convey the path, mm. the direction. So 
the fact the fact that you've been through hard things as a veteran to me is it's easy to go oh well the, the civilians just don't understand they don't get it right that's what we tend to do but the reality is they need to get it because they want to get it because they're going through their own hard things and your struggles your scars can be repurposed and illuminated in such a way that you show them new patterns for their life see with storytelling we are we listen autobiographically so if i talk about my my struggles with uh transition or i talk about my my battle with mental health in that closet then i guarantee you there's people that will go oh my god like i've been through something similar like that when i lost my mom to covid or when i lost my job and i had to start over or my kid tried to take her own life like you you make so many connections and this is this is what people are starving for your story is relatable like they can relate to it um and then like you said the experiences that we've you know we've gone through it's something uh it's something that they need they need they need the leadership they need that resiliency that they need to build up i, I think that's a key word nowadays like it is uh, resiliency is not, not too many people have it nowadays. No, they don't. But yet they're facing unprecedented challenges in their life. Mm -hmm. You know, I and, and, and as a Green Beret, I, I've spent years and years and years studying human nature. Right. And, and the reality is humans are essentially wired the same way. It doesn't matter what your race or your religion or your socioeconomic status. There's an acronym that I tell people in rooftop leadership that if you understand this acronym, you have a competitive edge when you lead people and when you transition. And the acronym is humans are a mess. M-E-S-S-S. -S -S. Meaning seeking, emotional, social, story animals who struggle. <laughs> so we, we, we're always looking for meaning. Like without purpose, we die. We're emotional, right? Uh, the, the, we, uh, emotion is how we navigate the world. Everybody's emotional. The other party's always emotional. And your ability to bring their emotional temperature down is critical as a veteran. Uh, we're social. We're always looking, like you said, who can I relate to? Right. We survive because we, we connect with other people. We don't have fur or fangs or claws, but yet we sit on top of the food chain. Why? Because we're good at grouping. So if you're good at connecting and you have a skill with that, then you're going to have an edge. Uh, storytellers. Again, the brain thinks in story. So the smart money is to know how story structure works. And finally, struggle. We are all creatures of struggle. And so if you can take your struggles and repurpose them through narrative and the service of other people, even the rough stuff, you're going to have an edge. People are going to naturally be drawn to you and feel safe around you. Yeah, I want to make sure the, uh, the audience got that. Uh, M-E-S-S, -S, so meaning, emotional. Uh, meaning seeking. Meaning seeking. Uh, yeah. So it's M E S S S three S's to go okay. to my Arkansas public education there. So, uh, <laughs> meaning seeking emotional, social story animals who struggle. Okay. Story and, and every one of those will give you an edge, uh, as you look at the other party, look at yourself, and they'll also give you levers to pull, uh, that other people just don't do in this, in this mass technology materialistic world we live in. And that's why if you look around, man, you see how people are so divided and they're so at each other's throats. Like they're not, they're not getting below that waterline of the iceberg, as I say, and making connections down below the waterline where people really live. And that, that acronym will help you do it. Awesome. Appreciate that, Scott. Um, you know, you talked earlier about, you know, the recent events that we've, um, 
that's been going on in the world. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, one specifically that I know is, is very near and dear to you is um, the collapse of Afghanistan and, and the recent mm -hmm. events that's been going on over there. Um, mm -hmm. Can you just talk to our audience a little bit about, you know, your thoughts on that? Uh, so some of the work that you continue to do to help out our, our uh, Afghan brothers and, and sisters who, who helped us during that time. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, for me, I, I, I've had a really hard time with the collapse of Afghanistan and I know probably quite a few of your listeners have as well. Um, you know, some have looked at it and said, what was the point? You know, yeah. my entire youth was spent over there. I don't feel that way at all. Um, I, I, in fact, um, I was really disappointed to see the collapse happen because I felt like we had made a lot of inroads. We kept terrorism at bay for 20 years. We, we helped a society build a capacity that, you know, had gone through 40 years of war and was frankly, uh, I think on the path to, to really being a, a, a stalwart, um, uh, advocate of the United States and, 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 and opposition to, to, to extremism. And we bailed on them. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so, so it was a rough thing for me to see. I have a lot of friends who are from Afghanistan and, and it was one of my commando friends, uh, who was stranded over there and trapped. And it was in the rescue of him helping him find safe passage that um, got me back into the game. I had kind of put the war behind me. I wrote the play last out to kind of make peace with the war and, you know, and get past all that pain. Um, I had a lot of survival survivors guilt and just, I don't know, um, a lot of challenges mentally with that war. And so when it all happened and it fell and my friend was behind enemy lines, it really brought all that back, but we managed to help him find safe passage. And he, at the last minute, he was, uh, he was told to say the word pineapple, uh, at the mm -hmm. gate. And, uh, that's how, you know, that's how we started the task force pineapple or the pineapple express, you know, that's, that's how that whole thing got started. And, um, a lot of other groups were doing similar work. Um, but the ability to, to help hundreds of Afghans was great, but there's still thousands and thousands left behind enemy lines and, and including American citizens. So it's just been, I don't know, it's been very, very uh, challenging. These last couple of months, it's been very hard to process and, and to make peace with. And, you know, I'm really glad that our film Last Out is coming out um, this year. It'll, you know... Um, Veterans Day, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, 2021, the film will be out. And mm -hmm. it's helped. It helps me to know that that's the case, because I believe that stories, not only do they help us communicate across difficult lines, they also help us heal, right. particularly veterans. Uh, right. we, need a, we need to heal from 20 years of war. And, um, and I think storytelling is a good way to do that. So uh, although it's been a very, very rough couple of months, I'm grateful for the, the stories that I have and, and, and the ability to heal through that process. Uh, you know, Scott, I appreciate you and, and the task force for you all are doing um, with helping um, our, our brothers uh, make it out of there safely. Mm -hmm. um, with, the, with the film, Last Out, when did you start um, writing this and 
like how long ago before this all happened? Yeah. So it was crazy, man. Like, I mean, I, you know, I got most of the things that I've done in my transition, I never in my wildest dreams thought I would do. I mean, seriously, I went as unconventional a path, I think, as you can in transition. I did, I did speaking from the stage. I, I did, uh, you know, terrorism analyst, commercial real estate. Like I did all this crazy stuff. And, um, it was really just my love of the craft of storytelling and a mentor of mine named Bo Eason, who was a former professional football player turned playwright turned actor who kept after me. He kept saying, dude, you got to write a play about the war. It'll heal you. It'll heal you. And I just kept blowing him off until finally I didn't. And I started writing and this was about five years ago. Okay. Uh, it took me and I've never written a play. I've never done anything like that. And to complete my midlife crisis, I decided that I was going to learn to act as well at age 50. And, uh, and so we, you know, I wrote this play, learned to act studying up in New York city, and then recruited a cast of all veterans and military family members. And we performed this play last out elegy of a green beret. And it's a story about a green beret sergeant named Danny Patton. He's a, he's a composite character based on three team sergeants that I had in my life who didn't make it home. And uh, Danny is killed in the first scene and he wants to ascend to the warrior resting place of Valhalla, but he's stuck. He's stuck between his fire base and his living room. Right. And, and so he can't ascend. He's hanging on to something. He's holding on to something. So his best friend, Kenny, who was killed in the Pentagon on 9-11, based on my ranger buddy, Cliff, who was killed, comes down from Valhalla with two other operators, as they're called. And they become the people in Danny's life. They're shapeshifters who made his heart pump the most blood. So his wife, his son, uh, his arch nemesis, Colonel Smith, uh, his, his enemy, uh, uh, Saeed Wali, his elder father, Malik John, who he becomes very close with. And they just take Danny through his entire life, man. From the time he tries out for special forces, gets selected, meets his wife, has their child, 9-11, deployment after deployment. And the audience just goes on this two-hour, 19-minute white-knuckle ride with Danny and his family as if you are literally right there with him. Um, and when it's over, you're sitting there dripping in sweat and, you know, just breathing heavy, but it's just a cathartic, hopeful release of, of a journey, um, and, and letting go. And ultimately Danny figures out what he's holding on to and he lets go. Um, but it's just, it's a story that's really never been told because it's told through the eyes of, in the mouth of those who lived it, the veterans and their families. And, uh, we toured for 16 cities in 2019, uh, wow. over 5,000 veterans performed 250 PTS interventions in the lobbies. Um, and when COVID hit, it shut all that down. So we decided to make it a film and it's the same cast, same crew. Um, and it'll be premiering this veterans day, uh, at lastoutfilm.com. And we're not charging. We're just putting it out there for free because people need it. Okay, so just want to make sure the audience got that. That's lastoutfilm.com. That's right. Uh, go out yep. there and, and watch. Yeah, you can film. go right now. And uh, it's pretty cool because if you go to the website, there's a place to, you can watch our documentary, first of all. We did a 30-minute documentary behind the scenes 
when we were on tour and it tells you how the whole thing was made. It's a pretty cool story. Um, and the whole cast, our cast are like, you know, our military veterans, family members, the support team that we traveled with were veteran on, uh, amputees, gold stars, um, you know, this eclectic, uh, Island of misfit toys that toured around the country and just had a blast. And, you know, it was really, really powerful. So you can watch that and then, um, you can go right in and watch the film and it's about a two hour and 19 minute runtime. Okay. Um, and I really hope people will do that. Whether you served in the military, whether you're a gold star, a family member, or you never served, I'm telling you, if you watch this film, it'll, it'll forever change, um, how you view either what you did or, uh, what you didn't do. And you'll have a deeper connection with it. You know, Scott, you've kind of had like, you know, in, in your lifetime, right? You've had many, you've hold, held many hats, right? You've been a Green Beret. Yeah. Uh, you've been a storyteller, speaker, a business owner, and not, you know, an actor, a playwright. <laughs> uh, just, just want the audience to kind of, you know, know that. And like, imagine how, where storytelling got you, right? Like, storytelling led you to yeah. do all these things. And that's, that's, I, I think that's just great, man. Thank you. And, and, you know, I would just say, regardless of where your journey takes you, it's just, you know, do what scares you. I, you know, I mean, we spent mm. our life as veterans doing what our nation asked us to do, whether we served in combat or not. Um, you know, we, we took that oath and we stepped up and we, and we, we delivered. Um, and, you know, somehow we think that in transition that it's supposed to suck, right? That the, by, by somehow like it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's downhill, downhill from there. And that's it's just not, not that's yeah. not right. And, and there's an article, there's a really good paper out there. If you Google it probably will pop up. It's called residue. I forget the author's name, but he's a really cool dude. He's a former EMT, but, but he's, he's basically his assertion is that like, just because we served, doesn't mean life after service is supposed to suck. Right. You know, we, we have this residue that is in us. And like any kind of residue, you can either deal with it and clean it out or it crystallizes and it will harden your arteries and it will mm. kill you, you know, but, but it's up to us, right? It's up to us whether we choose to, to process that residue or not. It's just residue. Right? It doesn't own us. It doesn't get to own us. And nobody else gets to decide what or how we do what we do after we leave the service. We get to decide that. And, and I, to me, it's just such, it's just such great news it, it to, because we can choose how we want to run that rest of this race. And I am a firm believer that it can go straight up. It doesn't have to drop. And, right. and, and, uh, and I hope that people will take that to heart because they've, paid a lot of dues and Definitely. and they and they deserve the the right to pursue fulfillment in their life and story is a big part of that so scott scott before we go to our second segment here of the podcast uh you know what's one actionable step that you can give our audience right now uh in pursuit of that second service um look back on your life with with this lens where you've been, and that should be your struggle, where you are now, 
and where you're going and tell that story. Look for an opportunity to tell that story to people who are relevant in your life, where you've been, where you are and where you're going, because the world needs to hear it and they want mm. to hear it. Amazing message. Great message, Scott. Um, look, look where you've been, where you are now and where you want to go, where you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. And it should be no more than eight minutes. Okay. Definitely going to have to uh, do my own self-reflection on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's a great journey, man. And, 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 and you'll heal yourself in the process. Awesome, man. So uh, Scott, uh, coming into our second segment of the podcast here, this is what I call the fast five. These are the same five questions I ask all my guests. Okay. Um, so first question, Scott, what's one hobby you enjoy? Uh, storytelling. <laughs> <laughs> acting. I love okay. acting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Are you, do, you, uh, do you see yourself doing more? Films I do. Or? I okay. do. Uh, well, you know what? Um, and I'm excited about this, but we're going to open uh, with the proceeds that we raise from the film. We are going to open an actual veteran performing arts center called Better Ground. And we're going to teach other veterans how to tell their story, how to perform, how to write songs. Um, but we're going to become the premier storytelling platform nationally. We'll have digital courses. Um, so, yeah, I am actually going to try to perform a one person show uh, this summer called The Things They Carried about Vietnam. I want to do something for our Vietnam veterans. Um, they're so undervalued and i i want to do a one-person show about them and um, i'm hoping to perform it in june that's awesome man and that's uh something we can talk about uh yeah whenever we have you on again yeah for <laughs> sure for sure uh next question scott if you had to choose one person to hang out with for one day who would it be and why i put my i would say my dad okay. you know um uh, i just every time i'm around him i um i feel like I can do anything. He's made me feel that way since I was mm -hmm. a little kid and he still does. That's awesome. That's awesome. And he's uh, a great storyteller. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, next question. Recommend a book for audience to read. Uh, this one right here. I'm reading it right now. It's called um, Courage is Calling and it's by Ryan, Ryan Holiday. Holiday. Okay. The, this the is Daily Stoic. Um, and I have to tell you, um, it is, it is fantastic. And what I love about it is he really gets into what courage is. But, um, I think one of the things we face as veterans is we worry about what our other veteran brothers and sisters think of us. Don't we, mm -hmm. we, 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 we almost subconsciously, we worry like, Ooh, I'm not being a quiet professional right now. I need to like pull back. And the reality is man to hell with that. Like we should be doing stuff as loud and proud as we want to do it. And not worried about what anybody thinks. And that's what Holiday talks about in this book so brilliantly. I almost feel like he's speaking to my heart um, because he it's all about the courage to do what you were born to do, regardless of what your peers think about you. And that's what veterans, I think, really, it's a message we all need to hear. So uh, the book again is Courage is Calling by Ryan. Courage Holiday. is Calling by Ryan Holiday, and I'm I'm three quarters of the way through it, and it will not disappoint. You'll love it. Yeah, I read one of his books recently. Uh, Ego is the enemy. I don't know if you yeah, about that one. Yeah, That's yeah, the great yeah, book. yeah. He's fantastic, man. <clears throat> um, Scott, next question: What's your favorite quote, and why? 
my favorite quote is leave tracks and it's by my father, Rex Mann. And um, the, the, what it really means is to focus on leaving your legacy in this world, those indelible impressions that you leave in the earth that um, they don't necessarily serve the people around you right now. They serve the people who will follow you. So what are the tracks you're going to leave? You know, and, and I just always think about that is when we think about our life as veterans, leave tracks, you know, look, look, look at the, look at what's, what, what will, what will your children say about you 15 years after you're gone? The, the, the tracks that you left in this world, what will they say that you did that made a difference 15 years after you're gone? And I think if we start with that in mind, as we deal with transition, we, it's a much easier way to map out our, our true North. Powerful, powerful quote there. Leave tracks because we all yeah. have a legacy to, to we all behind. do. We all do. We're all supposed to leave a legacy. So why not start there? Mm. Uh, Scott, final question for you. Where do you see yourself in a year, five years, or maybe in 10 years from now? You know, I, I honestly, I hope that all I'm doing in, in five to 10 years is helping veterans like you, young uh, thought leaders like you become the most powerful storytellers on the planet. That's my dream is that I, you know, I'm getting old, man. I'm 53, <laughs> um, you know, five, 10 years. I'm, I'm pushing in my sixties. I would love to be training the craft of storytellers to the next generation of, of veterans and, 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 and storytellers who are going to, who are going to lead us into that next, that next ridgeline. So that's all I want to do is, is that kind of work. A true leader training his replacements. Work yourself out of a job. That's what my go. first team sergeant taught me. <laughs> awesome, Scott. Well, um, again, thank you so much for the time and for sharing your story and, and the message. And again, the film, lastoutfilm. Uh, you can dot check com. It. Yep, lastoutfilm.com. Check it out. Elegy of a Green Beret coming out this Veterans Day. Uh, completely free. So make sure you go on the website um and yeah. and, sh and share it, it you know send the link to three people who need to see it whether they're civilians veterans gold stars send it to three people you care about that could that could benefit from it our goal is a hundred thousand views over the veterans day uh weekend awesome awesome scott uh before we go where can our audience follow you where can they support you well, I have my own podcast called the Rooftop Podcast. Uh, mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Uh, we talk a lot about the Task Force Pineapple stuff that's going on right now and leadership and storytelling. Uh, you can go to rooftopleadership.com. And there's just a ton of stuff there on, uh, on the human connection front, like leadership front. And then lastly, uh, lastoutfilm.com. Just a ton of it. info there on the film and anything you'd want to know about storytelling. Awesome, Scott. Again, thanks for the time and uh, look forward to hearing from you soon, man. Hey, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Want to support an active duty owned brand? Head over to Fortis-Fidelis.com. Again, that's Fortis-Fidelis.com. And help us in honoring the brave and faithful service of our nation's defenders. All proceeds will help us create and provide memorial coins to the families of our fallen service members. Again, that's Fortis-Fidelis.com and help Fortis-Fidelis 
and honoring the brave and faithful. Hey everyone, Raiden here. I just want to thank you for listening to our podcast. And make sure you guys go check out our website, fortist-fidelis.com. Again, that's fortist-fidelis.com. And learn how you can help us support in providing these memorial coins to the families of the fallen. And make sure you guys go follow our social media on Facebook, FRTS, FDLS. Again, that's FRTS, FDLS. And on Instagram and Twitter at FRTS underscore FDLS. Again, that's FRTS underscore FDLS. And make sure you guys go subscribe, review, and leave a comment on our podcast on all the podcast platforms. Till then, take care.